1: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to the West Coast edition of Kramerica. Other people want make friends, I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me. At Jim Cramer, can good news put you to sleep? Well, there were so many positive developments today that it was almost like the market's eyes glazed over. While the Dow gained 91 points, the S&P only climbed 0.19%. NASDAQ barely advanced at all, gaining a paltry 0.08%. So what's going on? Where do I even start? This morning kicked off with an interview that we did with Larry Kudlow, the president's chief economic advisor, and my former Kudlow and were co-host here on CNBC. He explained that the agreement signed with China is a lot more far-reaching than most people realize. It actually forces China to change the way it runs its economy in order to create a more level playing field. Larry also said something that no one else seems to be talking about. It's kind of bugging me. He said our relationship with China is quite cordial. Because the Chinese government recognizes that the United States doesn't want to disengage with them. While this deal was being negotiated, the big fault line in the White House was between those who don't believe China can ever be redeemed. So why not just keep hitting them with tariffs forever to wreck their economy? And those who think that China can be a good trading partner if they're willing to play by the rules. Call it the engaged versus disengage camp, and the engage camp just won. From the stock market's perspective, that is fabulous news. Ah. Financial and tech companies will get a lot more business. Many U.S. tech companies have shied away from China because of the ridiculously lax intellectual property laws and promotion of intellectual property theft. Ah. Barry Cutler believes that can change. Our financial companies have been shut out of that lucrative Chinese market. Now the government says that will change. I think that means MasterCard or Visa might be able to issue credit cards over there, maybe both, and the banks like J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs will be able to have their own franchises free of nettlesome partners. That's got me musing on the possibility that China will allow Apple to offer its credit card that we have here and only here there, too. The whole credit card industry has been praying to get into China to no avail until now. Numbers could go up gigantically, which means the group likely has more room to run. Are the $200 billion uh, worth of purchases uh, for real? Well, Larry thinks so.
2: For both teams, for both sides, this is a pro-growth deal. In fact, we think it's going to add to the growth of our economy by at least a half a percentage point in 2020.
1: Now, Reuters is saying with a story that came out mid-afternoon that it's a lot more complicated than that. They point out China still has tariffs on the goods they talk about purchasing, and they haven't rolled them back yet. Now, in fact, when the story broke, it caused the market to reverse hard, even as I think that the story doesn't even matter. If the Chinese government wants to purchase this stuff, they're going to purchase it. It's going to happen. And given that President Trump won't roll back our tariffs until they place these orders... Well, I I would think they have a pretty strong incentive to keep their word, don't you? The stocks that rallied hard. Stocks like the transports tell me the market agrees with me. The transports are my barometer, and they finally broke out to a new high. You know I like Union Pacific, but have you ever considered buying FedEx over this? Now, they spent fortunes building out their Chinese business, and it had just gotten to the point where it could be immensely profitable before the trade war pretty much shut down them down. Now FedEx can make a comeback, and its stock was actually down today, uh, down a lot uh, off almost three bucks. I'll have more about that particular segment of the economy later on the show. Stay tuned. Many have doubted the prospects of companies that have spent fortunes building out liquefied natural gas trains to export liquefied natural gas, LNG. But Sempra Energy, Dominion, Chenier, and Tellurian Will be rewarded with a huge customer base that can easily get hooked on our national, our nation's plentiful natural gas. Hey, we're the lowest cost producer in the world. Maybe the single digit Tellurian, uh, the one that was started by Shri Suki. Maybe it's worth speculating on. Don't forget. We make more than just planes and heavy machinery. The Chinese can buy medical instruments, like the ones I heard about here at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. And let's remember that IBM, Emerson, 3M, Honeywell, nice move today. United Technologies all have tons of merchandise to sell. Needless to say, Apple's a winner, too. Oh, and in case you need more companies, the president named dozens of them in his press conference today, which at times felt like he was reading a list of the Fortune 500 and asked them why they haven't thanked them. All the while, he kept the Chinese standing there waiting. I don't even know which one to hit. It was all very good for stocks, but the market's collective eyes glazed over. Some of that's because a lot of the trade deals were already baked in, but there was plenty of new stuff here that got completely ignored or that the media chose to ignore because, well, it's hate him or like him was positive for him. I'm speaking of Trump there. And that's hardly the only positive story today. Consider the banks. Today we got some incredible numbers from Goldman Sachs and Bank of America. But These quarters were treated as a real snooze fast, because you already got great results from JP Morgan and Citigroup the other day. I kept going over the numbers saying, "What am I missing? What am I missing?" The answer, nothing. There was just Amway. Nothing but Amway. We saw the same delayed reaction to the stock of United Health, UNH, Kramer fave, come report around 6 a.m. Okay, I'm watching. I got my requisite 45 minutes of sleep and the stock sunk almost immediately when they reported. I'm thinking, oh, man, maybe I'm just too tired. Not when the conference call got rolling, the stock levitated because the numbers components were extraordinary. It finished up eight bucks. Hey, moron. Oh, I'm sorry from Jimmy Cho. Hey, people who mistakenly sold that stock when it was down. Well, that was ill advised. Now I think these moves may not be done. This is day one of a much better than expected trade deal, and Larry says there'll be more deals because the Chinese need them. They need to get rid of those tariffs. Since Larry came in to this job, you know he's been right a lot more. Than he's been wrong. Now, it wasn't all positive. Two high flying stocks finally came down: Tesla and Beyond Me. The latter had been up 55% this year. I mean, this year was it like, it's like 45 minutes old. Now that's how much sleep I had. I'm a believer in both of these stocks, but enough already. Parabolic moves are unsustainable. And the only true disappointment did kind of shock me. I got this one wrong. Target effectively blew up, showing a dramatic deceleration. Some same store sales growth for the holidays. CEO Brian Cornell called the plus one in change increase a disappointment true with the misconcentrated in electronics, toys, and home. I think these below expectations categories can actually be explained not by a weak consumer uh-uh, no way. I've to listened to Bank of America and JP Morgan, but by encroachment of Amazon and the Uber Kramer fave Costco, coupled with the dramatic sales of the Apple iPhone uh, the 11, which I keep telling you is a game changer, but you won't listen to me. Yes, it could be so big that it's pulling sales away from other big ticket items, that's the way it works. We don't all have, hey, my costs, I can't even reveal how much it costs. To me, though, here's the issue. Even with the averages at all-time highs, the stocks of the actual winners that the President of the United States singled out at his incredible press conference, I mean, kind of candidly, a little bit nutty, simply refused to run up dramatically in spite of market-moving information. And I think that's all about Ennui. He put out a buy list today. I'm not kidding. I was thinking when he was doing it, buy, 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 buy. Look, this is not a political show. On man money, I'm in favor of anything that results in higher stock prices. And that is exactly what this trade deal does. Don't let anyone else tell you differently. They don't understand stocks, and they don't understand companies. The bottom line, if the stocks of any of these companies with new access to China get hit, I think you need to be a buyer in the weakness. I'm just hoping the market's general sense of ennui gives you that opportunity. I feel like taking some calls. I think we should go to Julia in New York. Julia!
3: Hey, Jim. I love your show.
1: Thank you, Um, Julia. I was calling about Target. I bought it uh, this past spring based on your watch stock recommendation.
0: right?
4: And it's been doing great until today. And I was wondering if you... uh, What... Should they take a profit? Is the market well, overreacting?
1: Okay, Julie, here's what typically happens. When you have a stock down this much, it means that uh, sellers were still trying to sell it, even at the bell. I think the sellers will come back. I don't think they're done. I do think that the company is a great company. I think they missed the mark with the merchandise, but I'm not giving up on Brian Cornell. That would be mistaken. I think the market yawned too much on positive news today. I mean, we got moves that I think are not done on Man Tonight. You know the phrase, don't take it personally? I'll tell you why. Maybe you should. Then in a world of fast fashion that ends up in a landfill, can Stitch Fix leave a lasting impression? i got a chance to sit down with a CEO at the company's San Francisco headquarters. And after the close, yeah. XBO logistics. Remember, I teased that with the FedEx thing? An asset would explore strategic alternatives. I've got the CEO fresh off the news. Nobody else does. That's called an exclusive. So stay with Kramer.
3: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC.
0: Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Some bonds last a lifetime. Some bonds inspire confidence. And some you grow to rely on. These are the bonds worth investing in. For nearly 50 years, PIMCO has reinvented fixed income to create opportunities for investors in every market environment. So no matter what happens, you can build the bonds that mean the most to you. PIMCO, a global leader in active fixed income. Learn more at PIMCO.com bonds. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Consult your investment professional before investing.
1: Every time I come out to Silicon Valley, I try to divine where people are spending lots of money and what's driving it. Sometimes it's hard to see the data center, the cloud, 5G, I mean, stuff that's not in your face as a consumer, at least not yet. Sometimes it's obvious social media, the wonder of artificial intelligence, the ingenuity of apps for mobile and mobile itself. This time, this time it's personalization. And it is everywhere. Yep, I'm here for the uh, J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference extensively at this point. There's a lot going on now. And I'm constantly struck by how medicine, particularly cancer medicine, has become tailored to the individual. There's so many different forms of cancer. It's a really big rubric. We've always been attacking this disease with the equivalent of nuclear warheads. Now, I remember years ago, my mother was dying of kidney cancer. They had some ideas about how to beat it but the treatment would have killed her in the process. Today, though, I'm hearing over and over about these CAR-T immunotherapy drugs that can search and destroy cancer cells while leaving healthy ones intact, all in a way that's custom-tailored to your body. We have drugs that transform your own immune system into a cancer-killing machine while leaving the rest of you basically untouched. It's science fiction. It's revolutionary. Especially when you consider that we can now map our own genes to figure out which types of cancer were most at risk of developing, knowing what you have in your own body allows these companies to personalize the cure, and I do mean cure. Maybe the most important personalization story I heard: Moderna, which is developing personal cancer vaccines. Can you imagine blocking the cancer you're most susceptible with a shot? In our lifetime, incredible. More Moderna lately, later, but I, I'm blown away. It, it's not just medicine. We're seeing personalization in retail, too. Now, when you think about the strategy at, say, CVS, they're trying to get you to tell them what you need so they can steer you in the right direction. There's so much confusion in the drugstore right now because there are so many options. They can give you the answer. Well, that's best for you, the one that's right. Oh, come on, that's huge. Or how about Stitch Fix? Here's a company that's basically using stylists armed with algorithms to tailor your wardrobe to your own tastes. That's the only way it works. There are too many choices in apparel out there, and most people have trouble finding what they want. That's why shopping can be overwhelming for lots of people. Stitch Fix helps them by offering a curated, hyper-curated set of goods as a subscription service. They know what you want better than you do. Finally, I'm seeing the power of personalization technology to help grow your franchise. Look at Bank of America. They have a remarkable, fast-growing deposit base where they're taking market share all over the country. We learned that this morning on their conference call. How's it possible? Because Bank of America has the leading personalized banking business and the best mobile app, which results in tremendous customer satisfaction. Way higher than it used to be for them. Hey, by the way, I see the hand of Salesforce in that. The software company has turned customer retention into a science. Meanwhile, Wells Fargo is struggling. I think in large part because they haven't spent enough money to know the, how to personalize. Sometimes I get too skeptical and I worry that this stuff is all, let's say, for show. That personalization is merely a Silicon Valley buzzword. But then I realize that if your business isn't personalizing and the other guy is, you're going to get eaten alive. Personalization is a lot more than a buzzword. It's become a necessity. All right, much more money head. Never mentioned Stitch Fix? Well, we're going to bring them one, and I want to know if you think they dress to impress. I got a chance to sit down at the company headquarters, not just our place back in Englewood uh, Cliffs, to see for myself. Then, all eyes on XBO after the close tonight. After announced plans that it's considering strategic alternatives. I've got the CEO after the news. And it's a company chasing the next frontier in treating disease. I just mentioned Moderna. It's shaking up the whole biotech spa- space, so stay with.
0: Kramer.
1: <laughs> we'll see how we can play this. Try to get you as much money as we possibly can. You're gonna have to price this at 10. 10 what?
4: 10 million. Not a chance.
1: States are so hot. Big views, big price tags, and big problems.
2: This is my life savings.
1: I'm hearing from you that the sale is really urgent. What
2: did this cost? $8 million on the restoration. Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: Is that why you got divorced? (laughs) (laughs) Listing Impossible. Series premiere tonight, 10 Eastern. CNBC. Get yours.
2: I can. The two words whispered at the start of every race.
1: Every new job. And attempt to parallel park. Each new draft of every novel. The finishing touch on every masterpiece. It is humanity's official two-word war cry. Words that move us all forward. The same two words that Capital Group believes have the power to improve lives, and that for over 85 years have inspired us to help people achieve their financial goals. Talk to your advisor or consultant for investment risks and information.
3: Sometimes the pressures of today's world can make it tough to take care of yourself. But Nature's Bounty has innovative ways to help you maintain balance and help keep you active and well-rested. Because, hey, tomorrow's coming up fast. Nature's Bounty, because you're better off healthy. Coach Saban convinced us. We're committing to AFLAC. Why AFLAC? Because health insurance doesn't always pay at all. AFLAC! After surgery, we had extra bills. Follow up visits, deductibles. We thought health insurance had us covered for everything, but it didn't. AFLAC gives you money
1: directly to help you with those things.
3: I want to thank my wife, my mom,
0: the duck.
1: Get help with expenses health insurance doesn't cover. Get to know us at AFLAC.com. Has Stitch Fix gotten its mojo back? Here's an online subscription service that's shaking up the world of fashion. Think of it as kind of like having an online personal stylist who sends you clothes and accessories on a monthly basis. Their technology allows them to know what you want better than you know it yourself. Stitch Fix has been growing by leaps and bounds. But over the summer, the company announced it's making some big investments in its platform, and that aided into their newfound profitability. Look, I think it was the right move. But it happened just as the market was turning against rapid growers with no earnings. In the last few months, though, the stocks rebounded from 17 to 24. I think it's got more upside. Now, earlier today, we got a chance to speak with Stitch Fix's founder and CEO, Katrina Lake, at the company's headquarters. Take a look. Katrina, you're a company with 3 million customers doing about $2 billion in business. I still find there are too many people who don't understand what Stitch Fix is doing and how it's changing the entire retail world so
4: Yes, so um, we we have a huge business, and we have three million clients out there. And really, what is differentiated about us versus other apparel retailers is we are solving the paradox of choice and really figuring out what is right for you uniquely, you individually. And so, as an example, jeans. Like you know, nobody wants to be trying on dozens of pairs of jeans, and online, nobody wants to search through literally a million pairs of jeans to try to figure out what are the right ones for you. And a model like ours is able to use data science to be. Able to understand what is it about you, what is it about the pair of jeans, and then match you really smartly with jeans that are going to fit you. So with us, we ship product to your home. You let us know who you are, what you're looking for. We'll ship product to your home. You can try things on at your home. It's a very effective and efficient way to be able to find clothes that you love.
1: But what if I need more than just an algorithm?
4: So we we have a human connection. And so for us, it's not just an algorithm that's putting the genes in the fix. We actually have stylists. We have thousands of stylists across the country. The stylist is using the tools that we have so that she's able, she or he is able to be able to smartly choose things for you. But it really is this kind of, it's a dynamic relationship. And our clients share with us when they're trying things on, this is working, this isn't working. And that's really what powers our ability to get to know you better over time. It really what powers us, our ability to be able to know these genes are most likely to work for you.
1: We see a lot of companies out here that seem to delight in losing money. That's never been your style.
4: Sure. We've been profitable since 2014. We, even during this time, we've been using that profitability to put it back into our business and to be able to expand our business into men's, the U.K., um, kids. We are now doing some product innovation. And so our philosophy has always been that we want to be able to be profitable and then reinvest that profitability into our future.
1: Now, you're using some of that profitability to, see, to do things that I can't see because I'm a man and it doesn't let me, even though I love the shop. Direct Buy, Uh, we need to talk about that. We, We need to talk about how you're able to shop your way, colors, let me in. Tell me.
4: So historically, all of our product has been selected by a stylist on your behalf. So there has never been, as a client, an opportunity to be able to click and buy something. So we're changing that with Direct Buy. So what Direct Buy is, is it is still entirely personalized for you. So you are only able to see, and to be clear right now, you is only to our female audience. No. We are gradually rolling it out and testing it, and we will get to men's, um, I believe, this year. Um, but we, on the women's side, what you can do is you can be able to log in and see outfits that are curated just for you. So you're only shopping 30 or 40 things. You don't have the paradox of choice. You're not filtering through millions of things. And these are things that we have a high degree of confidence are going to work for you. You can be inspired, click and buy. And so you can really capitalize on that um, kind of that I want it moment. But I think it also is this experience of what a totally personalized world and what shopping in that world would look like.
1: In a personalized world, you don't need to have or see a million pairs, a million clothes. So that would mean one uh, less landfill. Yeah to smaller carbon footprint.
4: For sure, and that's another really interesting part of our business, is that we are actually using the data that we have to be able to buy less product, buy product that we know ha- there is demand for, and so we are being we're able to smartly buy the right product, get it to the right people, and through that, it's a better financial model. We're able to drive more profitability that way. Um, it's a better model for our clients. Our clients are finding more things that they love, and it's a better model for the environment, because we're not creating product that's not going to have a happy home. Um, and so that... So- so we're really happy about that part, and the carbon footprint part is very interesting too. We did a study um, where we kind of compared ourselves to other retailers, billions of dollars per billions of dollars, to better understand, um, you know, is for example shipping product back and forth is that is that worse than a store? And what we found is fascinating, which is that these stores, these huge retail stores that um, are you know, millions of square feet across the country that are heated and cooled 365 days a year, that is actually a far worse carbon footprint because especially these days, those stores are doing a lot less in transactions. There's a lot less um, kind of productive productivity happening there. Um, and so it's a very interesting story, not just from a product perspective, but even from a business model perspective.
1: Well, how about competitive landscape? What, what is your moat uh, versus the king, Amazon?
4: So our mode is really, I mean, it's a focus on personalization and a focus on apparel. And so um, direct buy is a small piece of our business that we hope will grow, of course. But on the um, on the fixed side of the business, we've sold $5 billion of clothes sight unseen. Um, we are shipping those directly to somebody's home. You have to be really good at personalization if you're going to proactively ship clothes to someone's home and expect them to buy them. And so that is something that it, a muscle that we've built over the last eight years um, that's really differentiated. The data that we get from our clients is really differentiated. So yes, there are players out there that have far more in terms of a volume of data, but the data that we have is you saying, I love this color, I you know, I, I like this, but I already have this in other colors, this was too short, whatever the feedback is, and that really accurate feedback is what helps power our model and is very differentiated.
1: All right, so when I'm measuring retailers, I look at same-store sales. I mean, for instance, today, uh, Target had a very, a very tough number, uh, deceleration. Can I do a same-store sale? Per customer with you is that how I would analyze whether the customers doing more business year over year.
4: So I mean I I think our revenue growth is probably the right comp. I mean on a target world like are you looking at it customer by customer like no you're looking at how productive is their you know kind of facility right and so right. for us um, like, I think that's probably the best way to see it if you're gonna if you're gonna think of it that way but I think. I mean, I think one of the challenges with being a newer model is that I get questions like this. of Like, I have a model, you know, I'm an analyst, and I have a model around same-store sales with stores. And, like, how do you fit into this? And the reality is that, you know, I think this is a new model. Direct-to-consumer in general is a new way to look at how people engage with apparel. And, um, and, you know, I think we're in the beginning stages of figuring out what are going to be the right ways to measure.
1: Well, but can we uh, grade you to some degree by when you get a customer, you have their wallet, so to speak. Are they buying more over time than the first year, say? So?
4: Right. So revenue per client is probably going to that's be the great. best metric right. that you can look at. And so we've had um, six consecutive quarters of revenue per client growth. Um, and that revenue per client number is actually also a signal of how how good are we at what we do. Like if we're able to get more product to you that you're keeping, you're spending more with us, it's a sign that kind of our business is doing better. And so that's that's another metric you could probably look at.
1: Why can't Nordstrom do what you're doing? Why can't Macy's do what you're doing? Because they're they're falling. I do think Doris was trying to make a turn, but I, it always, when I look at what the so called dinosaurs are doing, they don't need to be dinosaurs. They could have done Stitch Fix.
4: I mean, so firstly, like I really have so much respect for the CEOs of these companies. Like it is such a challenge to figure out. I have all these stores and I have to close some of them and I have to rationalize my business model and I have to invest in innovation. Like that is a really hard job to have. And so I have a lot of empathy, I think, for how challenging that is. And the reality of that is like, we are so lucky that we get to be in a seat where we get to reinvest all of our profits against innovation and against what's next and what's new. And, um, and, you know, I think that's an easy place to be able to operate from. I think the reality of trying to shift your business from one really significantly different business to another is it's challenging.
1: You're still getting a good bang for the buck or you have, have you been able to have to spend more to get more customers than you would like at this point?
4: So, um, you know, on the on the marketing side, we, right. um, we've we been very proud of our marketing efficiencies. We shared in a disclosure, I guess now two quarters ago, um, that we are getting very quick payback on the, on the marketing that we are spending. And that's been true for the entire course of our business. We wouldn't have been profitable since 2014 if we didn't see that significant marketing efficiency. Um, and I think what we're doing now that's different is that we're more smart in the way that we spend. And so we actually can now see there might be a client that might cost a lot. There might be a client who okay. might be you know $150 to acquire this client but we actually know that that client is going to generate a lot of value for us and we can be predictive with that and years ago we may not have been able to identify that that one client is worth spending on and now we're able to do that and so that's really um, more of the way that our marketing has evolved is to be more personalized and more uh, more data driven frankly.
1: Well those are the two that I think of. personalization is incredibly important and then choice helping me with choice by using big data is a pretty good way to do
4: it yeah it's it's a great way for three million of our clients to do it too
1: great let's katrina lake she's the founder and ceo of stitch fix once again a profitable company three million customers almost two billion dollars in sales not some company that's just got some dream that you might want to buy thank you Closed. we got some very big news from one of our longtime favorites, XPO Logistics. That's that roll-up created by Brad Jacobs to consolidate the trucking industry. It's reviewing strategic alternatives, alternatives that often lead to a sale, either of the whole company or just the parts. Now, regular viewers know that XPO has been a fabulous long-term performer. It's a terrific play on the rise of e-commerce. Maybe the most pure play there is. But in the past year and a half, the stock has struggled. It got crushed in the fourth quarter of 2018. still hasn't fully recovered, even since it's rallied nearly 40% last year. At this point, though, management's gotten impatient. They believe their company's undervalued, so they want to find a buyer for all or even part of the business. I'm excited about where things are going. So let's take a closer look with Brad Jacobs, the chairman and CEO of XPO Logistics, to get a better sense of what he's looking for from this process. Mr. Jacobs, welcome back to Mad Money.
3: Great to see you, Jim.
1: All right, Brad, uh, people have made fortunes with your stock. I mean, it's up uh, more than tenfold since your investment in 2011. Why now? And uh, does it necessarily mean that you're
3: done? No, we're not done. So, first of all, thanks for having me on. So, the, the company has, the stock has performed very well. It was the seventh best performing stock of the Fortune 500 of the last decade. But we're still getting a low multiple. So as a diversified company, the market's only giving us an eight or nine times multiple. When you look at what we would get if we sold off or spun the four of our business units, each one of those as a smaller pure play would get a higher multiple. So when you do the math, objectively, it creates more value by spinning off or selling those four business units. Now, we're not interested in selling LTL. We're not marketing LTL, and we're not marketing the whole company. We're marketing those four businesses, North American and Europe, transportation and logistics.
1: Well, my feeling, though, Brad, is that somebody else has put pen to paper a large company and said, hey, Brad, I'll buy your company for, uh, I don't know, it's 7000000000 billion. I'll buy $10, dollars Had you been contacted by someone who's large?
3: Well, I want to comment on those kind of discussions, but what we're doing proactively, I think, is the best way to create a significant amount of value in the stock, holding auctions and going through a professional process for each one of those four business units.
1: Well, Brad, i got to tell you, I was looking at uh, what FedEx paid for TNT or overpaid for TNT, if I know you, uh, five years ago. Uh, They paid six times EBITDA for that one uh, really very poorly performing business versus what you have in Europe. Brad, that means your, your stock will be worth, well, I mean, just that one division will be worth $14 billion. How do we rationalize what's going on here?
3: Well, we'll see how the process plays out, and we'll see what kind of market there is, and then we'll see how the numbers shake out.
1: How is business? Because you are the ultimate last mile e commerce play.
3: Business is good. Uh, the industrial economy is still chugging along. Uh, it's not been very robust, but I'm sensing a bottom there. I don't see it being booming, but I'm sensing a bottom. It's not getting worse. The consumer part and the retail part is obviously very, very strong. Of course, econ is growing like gangbusters all across the globe in all of our businesses.
1: Well, you know, look, I got it to bed. The division I like is the logistics division the one that credit suisse uh called in october the google of logistics tech platform is differentiated scalable but people don't understand you you spent hundreds of millions of dollars making this the ideal platform that anybody who wants to be in this business would love to have what do you think that particular business could be worth
3: i don't want to speculate what we'll get you never know on these auction processes but The leadership positions that we have in each one of these businesses and particularly there and the the strong position we have in e-commerce, in reverse logistics, in omni-channel logistics, I I think there'll be strong demand for it. And we just have to be objective and dispassionate, not be attached and not have an, an entrenched management perspective, but have a shareholder value creation focus, which is what we have.
1: In the meantime, Brad, you should tell people you have been one of the most aggressive buyers of your stock because it wasn't just that you thought it was undervalued. When it was much lower, particularly because someone, I'm going to use the term, rated your stock, it gave you a chance to be able to put your money where your mouth was.
3: So that's a good example of us being agile, of us being opportunistic, and us being rational and willing to do bold things that create a lot of shareholder value, even if it's non-conventional. So we did that, you'll recall back in 2015, we saw a company, Conway, which was a big, big LTL company, and it was very much out of favor. And we saw an opportunity to buy that, and we then did, and we doubled the EBITDA within a couple of years to create a, create a ton of value. And then with the share buyback, when the, the shares got dislocated, we bought almost $2 billion of stock back in the 50s. So that, that's worked out very well, too. So now we see the next leg up, the next opportunity to create some significant value is to conduct processes for each one of, four of these four business units, and let's see what, the, what uh, kind of prices buyers give us
1: okay, the stock is trading up substantially after the bell, and then instantly people so I'd that you're going to be on and said, you know, Jim, come on, Amazon has contacted them, or Amazon's going to buy them. It makes too, just makes too much sense. I know you can't contact, t- talk about any specific company, and you said you can't talk about who contacted you, but you've got to give me the, op- the opportunity to at least say that Amazon would pay a lot of money to own XPO Logistics.
3: I don't know about that. You're going to have to ask Jeff Bezos about that.
1: I might do that. You know that? In the next 48 for hours, it. I think that could actually happen. Why not? Why not? I'll be up there. Um, you bought Europe at the bottom. Uh, what's Europe like right now as we get uh, ready for Brexit? Well,
3: we've got to see how Brexit plays out. I mean, I like the fact it's making progress and getting clearer. It's got to come to a resolution. When we talk to our British customers, they're dying to invest in the business and put more cap as an expansion in, but they're hesitant to do it until Brexit is behind them there's more clarity on it when brexit finally gets resolved i think the uk is going to really explode in a positive way but it's not there yet
1: well you've been uh, you're in a group frankly where i've seen uh, in the time since you started there was a there was a, the dean of the group fedex and they have been whipsawed every which way, and the, the situation's kind of devolved into basically a shouting match between analysts and FedEx. How have you been able to avoid what I think has become a very contentious situation between the other companies in the industry and the analysts, where everyone recognizes that your company's worth a lot less, a lot, a lot more than they, those companies are, and not a lot less?
3: Well, we, we try to make peace, not war, with our competitors as well. And and FedEx, by the way, I think is a fantastic company. I mean, the brand is so strong. And, yeah, they've got some little tough times right now, but that happens. That happens to every company. And you, and you work through it, and, and you bounce back afterwards.
1: Well, it hasn't happened to a lot of your companies, Brad. I mean, you've been you put together this company. A lot of people felt it was... It, uh, too difficult to put together. Everything you put together was additive, and you're still only scratching the surface of a lot of the divisions. So it, it seems to me that you have, must have avoided some of the pitfalls, some of the markets that didn't work out.
3: We kept our head down. We tried to tune out the naysayers. And over the last four years, without any acquisitions, we grew the business $2 billion on the top line and $500 million on the EBITDA line. So the, the team has executed very, very well globally.
1: Well, look, I think you've done a remarkable job in what, frankly, is an incredibly difficult environment. Again, I, I have to come back to that the company has been up tenfold since your investment in 2011. That's a remarkable figure. Brad Jacobs, chairman and CEO of XPO Logistics. Thank you so much for coming on Mad Money.
3: Good to see you, Jim. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Guys, the company's worth a lot more than it's selling for even after hours. Mad Money's back here for the break. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Steve the over the light round question. We're going to start with Anthony in Michigan. Anthony! Mad Booyahs to you, Anthony out of Detroit, Michigan. Look, I've been have a strong position in Pfizer. And it seems stag. stagnant. And, and I, I, I don't understand why it's not making me any money. Well, it's is not, not doing anything that should be making you any money. May I suggest, kind sir, that I would easily uh, swap into bristol Mars or Abbey, both are which are superior. I need you to go to Craig in North Carolina, please. Craig! Booyah! Booyah I'm calling about Next Era Energy. Oh, it's my e- favorite! E- e- Sempra and Next Era. They aren't your father's or your mother's utility. Those are just growth companies masquerading as utilities. Bye 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 bye. How about going to Pat, please, in California, please, Pat. Hey Jim, booyah to you from Southern Cal. Nice. Got
3: a question on AAXN Taser. I've been with it for quite a while, jumping in and out of it. I've tripled my money and. Uh, I'm thinking about putting some more in. What do you think, buddy?
1: I don't know. We had Rick Smith on for the owner of Taser, but it's really an ecosystem, not a platform, and I feel pretty darn good about it. Remember, he's incentivized having the stock go up, so I am going to agree with you, Pat from California, that it's a buy. Now I'm going to Jack from Ohio. Jack! Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jimmy, and your help. All right. Hey, I'm looking to, I'm looking to add a solid dividend income stock to my holding. DT. Don't don't. My travel Trust owns it. I don't know if you caught what Larry Fink was saying yesterday, the guy who runs BlackRock, but fossil fuel stocks are an ixnay for a lot of different younger investors, but certainly we're running into a problem with, uh, I'd say, it's called hatred of it. And this one, my travel Trust owns it, and so far, it's been a loser. Sean, Indiana, Sean! Mr. Kramer, good evening, sir. Just wanted to say thank you from Indiana for all that you do for investors each and every day. We, wanted saw, to, just, we saw Mark Cuban from Indiana just last night. Good to talk to you.
3: Good to talk to you, too, sir. Just wanted to get your take on uh, Viking Therapeutics. I know the street is pretty positive on it, but I wanted to know if this was a good one to get in on.
1: No, I, I, I tell you, I, I, the street's not all that positive about it. The stock is down for the year. Um, I, I, again, I'm going to default to, to, to suggesting Bristol-Myers and Abby. I know they're boring. I don't care. How about Daniel in New Jersey? Daniel! Booyah, Jim, from New Jersey. I'm calling in reference to Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. Oh, I like what Richard Fane is doing with Royal Caribbean. I think it's probably one of the best in show. It's flat for the year. That could be an opportunity. Let's go to uh, somebody in Washington. uh, Gary in Washington. Gary. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. First time caller. Gotcha. Hey, I just bought uh, some uh, March 125. I'm sorry. April 125 calls on microchip technology. Right. Well, I mean, you know, that's an options action there at 530 on Friday. Uh, but I would say that it already pre-announced the better expected quarter. not much there. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round is sponsored
4: by
0: TD Ameritrade.
1: All week, I've been hearing about the power of personalization here at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. And at the vanguard of this movement are companies like Moderna... This is a revolutionary biotech firm that's creating a whole new class of medicines based on messenger RNA, the software of life. They're trying to reprogram your cells to fight off everything from infections, cancer, cardiovascular diseases, and rare genetic disorders. Now, I recommended the stock at 18 and change not that long after it came public. That was back in December 2018, and it's been a wild trader. I think it has a ton of potential. So earlier today, we checked in with Stefan Bancel, He's the CEO of Moderna, so take a look. Stefan, I think it's fair to say that I found your presentation maybe the most exciting at the entire conference, and one of the reasons is because you have a new class of
2: medicine. Well, thank you, Jim, for having me, and thank you for your nice comment. Yes, we are very excited. Since we started Moderna now eight years ago, the vision has always been very crisp. It has been, if we can make messenger RNA work safely in humans... It would be a, a very broad platform, a new class of medicines where we can go after cancer, infectious disease, rare disease, and many more.
1: Many people have RNA, and it's all on the drawing board. It's all whiteboarded. It, it's frankly not ever going to get to us. I think you are uh, incredible. You got a, a, a going to phase three on what could be a two to five billion dollar opportunity now.
2: Yes, so we are very excited. We have a vaccine. We just presented the clinical data last week. Uh, against CMV, Cetomegalovirus. It's a virus that if infects a woman during pregnancy will be transmitted to the baby and will have massive you know, impact on the brain development of a baby. It's the number one cause of uh, birth defect in this country.
1: Number one. Number People who have not heard of CMV you need to know that you're attacking something big,
2: not orphan. Correct. Very big and we believe that every woman in the age of bearing a child in this country, should get vaccinated once, hopefully, this vaccine gets launched.
1: It reminds me of how much Elmer Wamsley is doing, uh, Glaxo with uh, with shingles.
2: Yes, exactly. Shingrix, which is a wonderful vaccine that Glaxo got approved a couple of years ago, uh, actually sold a billion-dollar first year of launch which is quite remarkable, and it's going to grow into a multi-billion dollar product.
1: I think people have to recognize it's also a little bit like Gardasil for Merck, and these are, Merck happens to be a partner. The uh, Biome- Biomedical Advanced Research and Development looked to you. Gates Foundation looked to you for what you're
2: doing. Yes, I think everybody that has tried for many years to find a new technology to do vaccination right. If you think about it, there's still a lot of viruses for which we do not have vaccines yet. And if you think about it from an economic standpoint, vaccines are actually the best returns on healthcare dollars.
1: Right, uh, and I think that uh, what we have to recognize is that what you're doing uh, doesn't cost nearly as much money as typical tests
2: and produces a far better return on equity. Yes, I mean, the piece that we have is a platform. And if you think about the pharmaceutical industry, there's really never been platform, meaning what you do in the science and the labs On one drug, you can use that learning on the next drug. Uh,
1: Stefan, I I think we have to talk about something that I
2: think is really important out here. Personalization
1: of medicine. Personalized cancer vaccine in our lifetime?
2: Yes, it's happening actually right now. We have a phase two study going on where we are designing every product for every patient. So we start by taking a biopsy of a cancer. We next-gen sequence it. We next-gen sequence a healthy cell of our body. We send everything to the AWS. We compare every letter that of the To, D- to AWS. To Amazon. Amazon, Amazon. Amazon Web Services. Correct.
1: You send it to AWS. Yes. And they do.
2: And we compare every letter of the DNA, the 3 gigabyte of letter of a cancer cell and a healthy cell. And from that, we deduce what do we need to do in our product just for your cancer.
1: I, I find, well, it's um, it's... It's almost science fiction what you're up to
2: yes and it's happening now and again it goes back to this platform which is unlike traditional medicine we do not have to figure out how to make in our factory each product they're all the same mrna is an information molecule it's like software it's a software of life there are four letters that makes every one of our drugs it's just the order of the letters that goes from product one to product two so once you figure out how to make it work once which we're done for example for vaccines Then you can have a lot of new products coming very quickly. And the return on investments is really spectacular because you don't have to reinvent everything. You just fly.
1: That's how you can have 20 drugs in development just in a few years' time? Correct. Last four years. I think it's incredible. Uh, I also think that uh, when I look at what you guys are doing, uh, one that hasn't been a problem right now but was a huge problem, Zika.
2: Yes, so it's part of the company's mission, which is, of course, we want to invest or share the capital to do great products like CMV. But we think we have a responsibility to make sure that vaccines like a vaccine against Zika are developed. And for this, we partner with the government. Right. This is paid by the U.S. Right. government or with foundations like the Gates Foundations to use their capital. But we make the platform available for free and we develop the products. So the Zika vaccine is in the clinic because Zika, unfortunately, is going to come back one day. Nobody knows when, nobody knows where. but if you look at what happened with Ebola and, and thankfully now Merck or partner haven't approved Ebola vaccine, that's really important.
1: All right so uh, you're working on amazing things just to, to sum it up, you, you are basically about to go into a, a into phase three and what I would think is actually record time
2: for a mass product. Yes, and again, go back to the platform, which is, in traditional medicines, you would have to have teams of engineers figuring out how do you scale this product in the factory. Right, right. But for us, it's always the same. So we can move very quickly from the lab to phase one, to phase two, to phase three, to commercial, very quickly.
1: I wish people understand how hard it is to to do a typical drug. Now, your drugs could be, vaccines are far more effective than pills.
2: Yes, and if you think about all vaccines versus traditional vaccines, because you make your own protein in your own cells, it's like a natural infection. Right. When you get infected, the virus uses your cells to replicate. So we, we do exactly that. Well, i got to tell your story. i got to tell your story to everybody
1: because this is the kind of story that people have to recognize is happening in our lifetime. And I didn't think it could I want to thank you so much for what you do. Thank you very much. Okay. That's Stefan Bansell. He is Moderna's CEO. I urge you, it is in English. You can read it, you can find out what this company's doing. I think it'll astound you. It astounded me when I read it. Stay with me. The deal is real, and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. I expect it to be additive, maybe not as much as Larry Kudlow, but it's going to be very, very good for business. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you
0: tomorrow. Some bonds last a lifetime, some bonds inspire confidence, and some you grow to rely on. These are the bonds worth investing in.